When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome everybody to Blood and Mud, the podcast that's just watch England win the football, because we're recording a day late, but less of that, it's also the podcast that helped raise nearly £4,000 for Doddy on Friday, he might have even got to 4000 by now, but yeah, so my name's Doddy5, if you go to the Doddmaster page and find it, you can still give to it. Where everything helps, and, it's, and also the, the video of Doddmaster is available on the Scottish Rugby Pods YouTube channel. Yes, for a month. just until the end of August, I believe, yes. But what? I tell you what, though, it was a good laugh. It, it was, was one of the best Friday of nights I've had for a very long time. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, and I laughed no, me either. for a very long time. I genuinely didn't expect it to be anywhere near as much fun as it was. It was absolutely just, yeah. And Josh's legend was an A-star performance as the judge, so you really need to go and watch if you haven't well, seen it already. Know, I was leaning into my, you know, I like skills to slag as being off. judgmental and cutting about people. So you know, you've given me permission to do this. Me. Can I just clarify? <laughs> given, we gave just permission to do all that. He was in his element. So, and also Cammy from the Scottish Rugby, like, he put so much work in organising it all. We just turned up and talked. Pretty Honestly, much. yeah, fucking vast amount of prep and all of that stuff must have. Been required, we know what uh, preps required. That's why we don't do any. So yeah. you know, I've got a respect for him. <laughs> Big star. Anyway, hello everybody. I am Lee. Hi, Hi Lee. Over there is. I'm Josh. How's it going? How's your weekend? 
Uh, I was working Saturday, wasn't I, at the Guardian? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I covered the Lions game. We'll talk about that a bit later on. Mm-hmm. Covered the um, Premiership final and got told off for virtue signalling. Cool. Not by my editor. They, they don't care. No. It is, it's the Guardian, no. after all. But uh, by Indeed. some people in the comments. We'll talk about that later on. Um, Good. Yeah, so did that Saturday, Sunday. Remember when my nan came round? Me, me nan likes a moan. She likes a, I mean, she likes to moan a lot. Most people do, don't they? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, I met quite a few of them. All right. We meet a lot of them through work. who have got a lot of shit going on in their lives. Who don't moan <laughs> as much as my nan did on Sunday. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, but yeah, so wow. other than that, that was that was it. I didn't do much apart from that the weekend. I don't think apart from I was on call with work. That's why I was late. We didn't pod last night because I was I had lots of phone calls in Sunday night and I was up half the night and it's a brick wall yesterday evening. So. Yeah, yeah, so you, that's what that you was. Even missed, you even missed Love Island, so you know. I did. Was that the first episode of Love Island? It was the first episode. Still so never so seen you, it. You know, you're never going to sort of catch up with the nuance of the plot lines now. Sometimes as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm skipping through, because I do that sometimes because I'm a bit of an old man, you know. I, mm-hmm. know. Um, I sometimes flick it and it's on and you just see a kind of sea of people in thongs. I mean, yeah, that's whispering basically it. in corners. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. I, I think I did actually try and have a watch it. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care was about it, any uh, of these it, people. Was it 2018, the one summer that everybody got into it because it was on the same directly after the Euros? So it sort of became a it weird... It might like, have been. Or not I the just, World Cup, rather, yeah. I just remember having a look at... Think everyone was talking about it, and I thought, I'll have a look, and yeah, I am... F- I mean, I, you shouldn't... I, am I too old? I don't know what it is. I don't know Probably. what it is about it. All of us are too old, really. This. But I mean, if I wanted to see male bodies like that, I just look in the mirror in my underpants. You know what I mean? I don't need to watch mm, it on telly exactly. because yeah. you know I'm very much in keeping with the trim of people that are 100%. on that program. Absolutely, me too. Yeah. And yeah. they all win and then just get a, an endorsement with Boohoo, don't they? Yeah, I mean, there's a bloke on there this year who is uh, who claims to be a PE teacher. Is it Mike Bubbins? No, it's not. I mean, that would be much, much more entertaining <laughs> if it was. Um, he has been hitting the gym, as he's keen to tell <laughs> he everyone. Been, so. He has been. I mean, he would not look out of place in there. But uh, no, he's, he claims to be a PE teacher. But I mean, A, it is the 29th of June. So if he's in <laughs> Love Island now, he's definitely an ex-PE teacher. And the way he behaves in the first episode, uh, he's definitely an ex-PE teacher now. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Just come on there, throw your careers away and and hope for a, an influencer so deal, I guess. Are they meant to fall in love? Is that the point? Is it meant to be two people at the end who are like a couple be. and they win because they're a couple? Yeah, but as obviously with all reality television, you know, what actually happens right. is just lots of shouting. and Whoever you know, doesn't get people... gonorrhea by the end of it wins. Yeah, like that. whoever's got the best hashtag journey yes. is likely to end up winning, which, you know. Is reality TV for you, I guess? Yeah. My half-sister's been on reality TV recently. Oh, yes. She was number seven on SES Who Dares Wins. and um, Very different vibe. Very uh, different vibe. Love Island. Yeah. (laughs) She had a bit of a pop of my dad on there. So we we share a dad. So I'm not not very happy, but I'm staying out of it. So... Anyway, uh, before we get into that, this is like an episode of Jeremy Kyle, this. I was going to say, this is game, proper edge of your seat reality TV. Yeah. 
so yeah, so you want to get in touch with us and say if you have any relatives go on telling have a go at your dad, then you can get you can email me, leeabloodandmud.com or at blood and mud on the Twitter. I am on Instagram, but it's just me. I'm not like I'm that hard to find on there. It's not a private profile or anything, but uh no. there's nothing on there that'll interest you, I don't think. Occasional no, pictures same. of the dog. I mean yeah, I'm in there. It's occasional pictures of the cat, lots of pictures of my pedal board. Yeah, occasional uh, Telly Tuesday playing the odd riff on my guitar. That's about it, really. Yeah. But if that's what you're into, you yeah. can come and expand my enormous follower count. Um, mm, yeah, I've maybe got like 100 people who follow me now, something like that. I don't know. Mine's not much more than that. All my following, oh, yeah, very much, goes, all my following energy very much goes a into follower, Twitter. Not a, I'm very much not a, fo- a follower, not a broadcaster on Instagram. I post about once every two months. So Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd, well, how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at rugged underscore mag, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're on Acast, we're on Apple, yeah. we're on uh, patreon.com, blood and mud, where you can get, mm-hmm. extra, you know, you notice by now you get extra episodes, you get, you get this full episode every week, you get extra Lions content for the Lions tour, such as it may be, we'll find out. Well... We'll um, that. Yes, uh, and all that, and you get access to the private Facebook group, which has had a, an absolute best, what can only be described as a litany of uh, dog photos in yeah. these past few days, which has been welcomed yeah. by everybody. So We had a bit of, we had a first sort of thorny moment where there was some disagreement on uh, well, Sunday. People saw things then... differently about a certain thing, didn't they? But yeah. we all and, talked and, it out, uh, I think. Ultimately, it was all, you know, pretty you know, respectful, and then, you know, to sort of chill the vibe, everybody started posting pictures of their animals, which is nice. Which is the way to go, isn't it? Indeed. Which is the way to go. We chose to do that rather than go down the your old cons and blocking route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weirdly, that, that, that's a, a, a more final solution. And yes, that's not, not our vibe you. in that group at all. No. So if that's what no. you want, then you can come to patreon.com yeah. slash blood and mud and get a piece of the action. There's a £2 a month. Or you can do £20 for the whole year and forget about it for the rest of the year. Or there's £5 a month and get a bio done by us. None of those this week. None of them. So, Or if there is, I've missed them. Somebody might tell me that there is one. But yeah, I've missed those. So get yourself down there and do that. Thank you very much. You can get access mm-hmm. to a private feed, which means you get the all the extra pods and everything on your usual podcast player. So there you go. Um, shall we be... I didn't ask you how your weekend went, Josh. What were you doing? I didn't, I didn't do a lot. Um, I... I got into a new documentary. Which one? Which Come good. on now. Um, it's on Netflix, and it's called This Is Pop. I have seen and that, yes. Yes. I've not it's watched it, sorry. I have seen, you know, that it's on there. Yeah, it's interesting. It sort of claims to be like a sort of like untold stories in the history of pop music. I disagree with that. It's sort of like eight episodes telling sort of different... It's completely mad and like in no way connected at all. So like the first episode is and it's very american centric obviously is about the boys to men effect which is something that as a british person i was not really aware of at all but sort of how boys to men came out of nowhere yeah. in that sort of 1989-90 were the biggest fucking band in america for about three or four years and then almost as soon as they appeared out of nowhere they literally couldn't get fucking arrested and how music sort of created the perfect like basically they were ripped off until they were uncool and then sort of 
R and you know, uh, like. I mean, what's so R&B cool about wearing chip? suits with shorts and canes? Well, indeed. You know? Yeah, but it's sort of talking about how they kind of were a, a boy band that attempted to kind of cross over from the R and B inverted commas black audience to a more mm. sort of pop white audience by look sort of throwing back to the old days and it was massively successful for a very short period of time and then sort of the late 90s R&B thing hit and the crossover with hip hop and then they instantly seemed like the most uncool thing <laughs> yes. in the history of the and fucking D'Angelo world. And D'Angelo turned up and everyone went, <laughs> But yeah, there's, there's an episode about the history and development of auto-tune and how it's sort of changed and affected pop music, which is interesting. There's mm-hmm. a, a really interesting one about how Sweden sort of became the kind of epicentre of like producers for pop music in the world. Um as well as a good one you quite like about when country goes pop and the sort of development and crossover of country and pop music. Uh, there's a Britpop one that was terrible because... Most Britpop is. Well, yeah, and also because it was done from a very American-centric point of view oh. that was like kind of... Did they have one of, them American, got got one of those American voiceovers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they got a lot it of It was in wrong. Manchester in 1995 <laughs> when yeah. Liam... And, they were sort of talking about... Noel, like, Bonehead, Dave, <laughs> Steve, Liam and Bonehead formed Oasis. That type of thing. Yeah, basically that. <laughs> but it's just like a lot of stuff that even I, you know, somebody who was sort of vaguely there in 1995 as an 11-year-old can remember, well, that's not how that happened. <laughs> King Meg yeah. never that big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's well, a lot of... There's a lot men, of though, who can... Go on. There's a lot of like, who could we actually get interviews with <laughs> right, in this? Yes. So, like, they spend a lot of time talking to Graham Roundtree, and they spend a lot of time talking to the scrum um, coach, to Alex James, not Dave Roundtree. Sorry, not Graham Roundtree. <laughs> um, well, I'm on the right podcast to get that one wrong. To be fair, and a lot of time talking to Alex James, which obviously I'd rather he just get buried under his own cheese. Um, He's the basis. They spend a lot of time talking to. Yeah, yeah. They spend a lot. Who's a massive Tory and cheese farmer and friends with uh, David Cameron and Jeremy Clarkson and all those. All right. Uh, They spend a lot of time. They spend a lot of time weirdly talking with. um, You remember her from Echo Belly? Yes. Uh, Sonia. Yeah. Sonia Madan. Yes. She gets her. She gets spends. She's basically half a fucking thing. And it's like I mean, it's probably the only way you get any kind of um, BAME <laughs> content. I think into it a Britpop documentary, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> it? Was basically exactly it, yeah. Because there's one about festivals, and they talk to Kelly from Block Party, and it's like, yeah, you just really wanted to find somebody that wasn't a boring. Well, white the lead singer from Kill Switch Engage gets a lot of chat on metal uh, documentary. <laughs> Indeed, but yeah, it's an interesting. I series. went to download. Uh, oh my word, it's white. It's oh, it's so very white. Download. <laughs> I mean, guitar, guitar music in general, music festivals in general yes. are extremely white. But fuck me. Do you know those uh, those reaction shows where they have black American teenagers react to and yes. millions of people watching it? And it's all white middle aged people, isn't it? And it's because I heard somebody say once what it was saying it's because these people don't have any black friends. So they somehow try and feel... But actually, if they did have young black friends, that's what they'd do. They'd play them Pink Floyd or Radiohead songs and say, I want to listen to this and see what you think. (laughs) Well, there's the... um, There's the... 
oh, what is it? Is it Bad Brains? Um, I don't know. Well, I'm on Boys to Men, sorry. End of the Road is a fucking blinding song. Absolutely. There's no reason. Obviously, incredible that went song. fucking incredible. And who's that little? <laughs> who's the little one who comes in before the chorus? Wanye Morris, is it? With a with a nasal yes, voice. Yes, yes, yes. With that one, brilliant. Yeah, have you? You will be unsurprised to know that they could get all of Boys to Men to talk on camera. <laughs> <laughs> when are you on your break from Subway, one? Yeah, can you come and have a conversation with us? Oh, it is very funny though. But yes. There's a, there's a sort of there was a the hard times which is a very funny sort of satirical website that has a headline that I really enjoy which is uh, only black man at punk show gets asked for the thirty seventh time if he likes bad brains <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, that is extremely yes like alternative music it's very sad it's changing though I hope it's changing. God, it needs yeah, to change. I'm into fucking Americana music. I mean, that's struggling. <laughs> How is it Americana that's based so much on the blues? How is it so white? <laughs> well, it, I mean, rock and roll. Yeah. From top to bottom. Yeah. Like, what can you say? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that's not. So what I'll look that up. About. That looks. It's cool. enough to. Yeah, there's enough to talk about today without Isn't us there? getting off on one of us, our famous tangents. So shall Although we begin that, as we always begin? I hear begin. there is a new uh, PBS documentary with your favourite person. I, mean, I hear there is as well, yes. Weekend. It's about Hemingway and he's universally oh. renowned of being a total and utter twat, yeah. that guy, isn't he? So I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see how Kim, Ken Burns puts that slightly revisionist sheen on how he was probably all right, like he did with the doping <laughs> in baseball. But yeah, it was bad, yeah. but... It's you know. bad, but you know, it was funny. Wasn't it? <laughs> uh, anyway. I mean, there's only three episodes in this one, though, so I assume they're eight hours long each. He liked bullfighting and was horrible to women. How do you stretch that out to three episodes? <laughs> Done. <laughs> right, we begin as we always mm. begin, Josh, uh, on a, with a player spotted. Keith Clement gets in touch on the DMs. Hello, Keith, and thank you for listening and getting in touch. He says, I've got a player spotted that dates back many, many years. He says, I was playing keepy uppy at the back of my granddad's terrace house in Usgall Street, Swansea. I do like the idea that that's English and Welsh mixed together. You think it'd yeah. be Street Usgall, wouldn't you? Rather you would actually. School Street, but the school in Welsh and Street in English. It's very odd. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he's playing keepy uppy in his granddad's terrace house in Usgall Street in Swansea. At the tender age of, tender age of 15, approximately, when I was approached by a couple of acquaintances, one said, and I quote, there's a boy down Danagraig Park who, whose name's Jeff Wheel and he wants to fight you. <laughs> so, not asking to find out why, I sallied forth with my two seconds in tow. We entered the park from the east and saw against the sunset what can only be described as a giant amongst pygmies amidst the throng of well wishes. I approached the crowd who were now baying for somebody's blood and announced in grand fashion that I was Keith Clement and asked, who was I to fight? Praying to God it wasn't the giant, which of course it was. So Jeff Wheel, the young Jeff Wheel, the giant turned round, looks down at what seems him a great height and says to Keith, this isn't him, and turned away in vexation. <laughs> he said, so I was extremely relieved. Thank fuck. And exited the park to resume my keepy-uppy in the lane. I've no idea what the fight might have been about, but I'm so glad that it wasn't actually me that he wanted to fight. He said, I did meet up with Jeff in later life at Park Meyer, the Bonner Mine Rugby Club, but he admitted no memory of the event. 
I think he used to do that quite a lot, probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is a really, I, I'm loving this. Has anybody else I mean, almost had a fight with a future <laughs> international forward <laughs> due to mistaken and, identity? And how, and how badly did that nearly go? <laughs> Imagine how terrifying a 15-year-old Jeff Wheel would have been to ordinary people in 70s Wales. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, there's definitely a, a vibe that people in 70s Wales are probably more generally hard than people are these that days. That is probably true, yes. But still, <laughs> no, I would want no part of that. So I want more from this niche. I want anybody out there who's yeah, nearly had a fight nearly with a future a international forward. Or back. Make it happen. Or back. Or back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even somebody's not even yeah. Just let us know if you've nearly had a fight with an international with with a, either actually or a professional rugby player. I like, yeah. I'm liking either this. nearly or actually, and if actually, let us know how it went. Yes, uh, I don't expect Stan Collimore to write in about the time he ran into Bath in the Dublin nightclub. No. Uh, right then, that's the player spotted. Thank you, Keith. An oldie but a goodie, I think we can say. Indeed. Uh, we've also had some correspondence in from a listener. Oh, hello. Alex Jagno. It's a plea, really. He's asking for information. Right. Um, he says, I grew up in Barnet in North London, which has mm-hmm. made me a lukewarm Saracens fan for the last 10 years, even though we're pricks. He said, I can't muster yep. any love for them now, particularly given the extent to which our cheating outweighs our admirable levels of humility and work rate, which he's written in capital letters. I think he's being serious there. Mm-hmm. He said, but I love rugby and I want to follow a club. I live in southwest London now for my sins and I also spent a year in Poe, so follow them but refuse to get Premier Sports. COVID has stopped my annual trip to watch Aberavon. There's a lot to unpack here, Alex. I'm not being funny. An annual trip to watch Aberavon. <laughs> I just want somebody to love. Advice, please, he says. So let the word go forth from here uh, to... He's, he is a uh, patron, Alex. So you can put on the Patreon mm-hmm. message board or in the Facebook group. You could probably tag him and let him know who you should follow. See, South West London would be an easy one in days gone by. Just go and watch London Irish. Yeah. But it's hard, it's we all know that the now, cloud right? that hangs over them right now, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> At least wait until a certain player is fucked off or yeah. retired. So I would say maybe go and watch London Welsh mm-hmm. in South West London as a bridging yeah. position to when London Irish are an acceptable position club to go mm-hmm. and watch, is what I would say, but other people yeah. can have a shout as well. Or if you drive a Maserati, go watch Harlequins. That's true, yeah, yeah. that is true. Uh, yeah, so let Alex know on the Facebook page, or on find, he's on Twitter, find him on there, Alex yeah. Janio, yeah. and, uh, and, and see what he says. But I, I reckon London Welsh is your best, but or Richmond, Richmond or London Welsh is worth Richmond's a Richmond's got a nice, you know... Used to be a big deal back in the day, but uh, and now London Welsh vibe. London Welsh literally well, play in a park. Yeah, you're in like a park, <laughs> and then all of a sudden a little stand appears. So that's quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Richmond are at least what are Richmond in now? Are they in like? Do they... They're in Southwest well, London, even... Josh. We've just been through this. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But what actual league are they even in now? Because I don't. They're a long time past the signing Scott Quinnell from Wigan days, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> very, very long term past. Um, I don't know. I can't even find on their own website, which isn't a fucking... <laughs> they don't even know. It's been about 18 months since they played a competitive match. They can't... Um... <laughs> Surely they must be relatively decent. They, they I must know be, I reckon, decent. 
pro-am level, are they? Yeah, surely they're like... They've got about 17 different teams according to their websites. Oh, they're in the championship. Of course. Oh, there you go. That was easy enough oh, to yeah. find, wasn't it? So, yeah, they are pretty oh, decent. Nice. Go and watch that. You can, yeah, you can alternate, Alex, between London, Welsh and Richmond. Only about half yeah. a mile from each other. So well, if, you, if you like a bit of nouveau richness, go and watch Ealing. That's true. It's all West London, isn't it? West, yeah, South West London. I mean, what you could have gone to watch Wasps if they hadn't completely shit-housed everything about their history, you know, So <laughs> and gone to the Traitor yeah. Dome in Coventry. So. You can still go and watch Wasp Ladies, who are still based in London. Are I they think. really? Yes. Are they still in, they still in Sunbury, really? Sudbury, some, sorry. Yeah. No, Sudbury. Think, Sunbury is where London Irish are from. I think they might be. There was some of this weird thing where, like, Wasps ladies basically went, fuck you, I'm not moving to fuck. We're not moving this club to Coventry. <laughs> Have you seen Coventry? Is... Yeah. Unless <laughs> awesome. you find it all announced at Leamington Spa, we're not coming. <laughs> well, exactly. It's like, it's not like we're professionals here. Like, you can't just tell us all to move 100 miles up the <laughs> motorway. I work on a so, market. Yeah, I, I can't take London. that up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yes. So you're spoiled for choice. Um, None of them are particularly brilliant, but I'd become an Ealing fan just out of shithousery at the moment, to be honest. Well, why not? we'll go on to the news now, because that'll be relevant Indeed. to Ealing chitter-chat, won't it? Yes. Shall we do the news? We shall. So, do we want shall to start with that start news? Start there, then. Yeah, yeah. The Premiership is ditching relegation, um, allegedly until 2024, but realistically forever. They're just, they're just going to get as used to the idea, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a sort of... A bridging exercise to make people accustomed to the concept. And then, because they're saying 2024, it'll increase to 14 teams next season when presumably Ealing will pay a fucking metric shit ton to come into the club. Um, and then at the end of the 20, 2024, there'll be a playoff between the bottom and top sides that will almost certainly mean that nobody ever gets relegated because we have <laughs> we all know how broke the championship is, right? Yeah. The odds of anyone, except unless they're sort of a Tony Rowe-esque kind of bankroller of fortune or a fucking Steve Lansdowne. No other club is going to be able to build a squad to compete with, and a lot of big money a, people. Semi-pro championship level. You know? A lot of big money people don't want to just piss a lot of their money up the wall either. You know, they'd rather just keep no. it. Only lose a certain amount because you're going to lose money wherever you are. So you might as well, at least in the championship, you can probably keep it a manageable amount you've lost. But um, there's quite a bit to this, really. So they're expanding it to 14 clubs at the end of the 21-22 season. So that's the end of this one. Hmm. Um, through the promotion. Subject to meeting minimum standards, yada, uh, which, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. Revised minimum standards criteria for clubs wishing to be promoted, but doesn't actually say what that is. Um, uh, I assume it'll be a big old brown envelope, won't it? It'll be financial sustainability, governance, player welfare, stadium facilities, medical provisions, safeguarding, and community plans will have to be up to scratch, I guess. But, um, yeah, there's only a certain number of clubs, like you said, that are going to meet that anyway. I think we've had this discussion before where I'm not... the. the the deep principal part of me doesn't like closing off promotion and relegation. And a lot of people point no. to the France example, don't they? So I look at that incredible Beeritz situation a few weeks ago with millions of people. Yeah. French rugby is very, very different, better funded and better followed. And again, you're probably um, looking at maybe two or three teams who are going to do that yo-yoing. Yeah. You know, you know the teams that have come up and down from the top 14 into the second division over the last sort of 10 or 15 years have broadly been, you know, 
Biarritz, Argen. Yeah. Uh, you know, Breve. Bayon. All Bayon. You know, all of the Perpignan. Like, yeah. All of these big teams that are, you know, <laughs> there's, there's basically about 20 big teams in France and there's only room for 14 of them in the top 14. So there's sort of. So it still makes some sense to have that over there. But uh, the so revising will stand as 22-23 season, there will be no side relegated or promoted um, Mm -hmm. in 22-23, allowing clubs to plan with greater certainty and supporting recently promoted clubs in making the transition between leagues. So basically what they're saying is whoever comes up in 2022, they're they're here forever, I think they were saying there. A playoff in the 22-23-24 season you've referred to. From August 2024, the intention is to move to a position where there's mandatory England qualified players system, where every premiership yes. club must have 15 EQPs in each matchday squad. It's interesting because it's sort of bringing themselves in line with the top 14 where the the JFF rules are supposed yeah. to mean there's 16 players in the matchday squad after France qualified. But anyone who's watched any France te- French <laughs> team recently will know that rule is pretty much there to be exploited. And the EQP rule currently exists, you know, it's, but I think it's only 10 in the matchday squad, but anybody who's seen sale, Bristol, Leicester, you know, most of the premiership over the last, you know, there's some mm. nonsense stuff that because Britain has a trade deal with South Africa, the they don't count it's like as, your a, as a cricket, isn't it? It's exactly like it's basically exactly like that. Um, the Colpac Bosman thing means that they you can't restrict their trade. Therefore, yeah, like South African players don't count. I don't think Pacific Island players count either. Not now, Josh. Um, Brussels can't tell us what to do anymore, and neither can <laughs> Johannesburg in the new bright future that we're carving for ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, it also they're also because currently, right? <laughs> this will amuse you. Uh, technically, Premiership squads are only allowed two foreign players in the match day twenty-three. Does that mean outside the? No, that means outside the home nation. I mean, technically, yes, but because of all of the nonsense Colpac stuff and the you know previous EU regulations and various other things, it's a fucking nonsense. So it sounds like they're talking a good game about developing players, etc., etc. Do you honestly think that in two years' time, Sailor are all of a sudden going to get rid of all of their South Africans or Bristol are going to get rid of all of their Polynesian lads? They'll, well, they'll we'll find see. ways. They always do. But, you know, it's interesting that they are sort of marketing that as their road to sustainability. The, um, they're going to give increased preparation time for England men's squad ahead of the 2023 mm-hmm. World Cup. Obviously, nobody gives a fuck about the women's team. These are never, they're never mentioned in these situations, um, which is, you know, a disgrace, really, but we are where we are. A commitment by yeah. the RFU and PRL to maintain current levels of funding to the championship because there was talks of whipping that out, wasn't there? Um Yes, although it still looks like the championship is going to be broadly semi-pro, <laughs> given the current level of funding. So, so the rationale is quite interesting because um, they're saying the financial impact of COVID means that the, everyone needs a bit of stability for the next couple of years to make some plans. All right, I can see which I, you know, yeah. I don't disagree with at all. And if it means players getting their full salary back, who's to complain? Um, yeah, almost certainly won't. But continue. In 2017, the collective losses across PRL clubs exceeded 40 million quid. And this rose to 50 million in 2018 with a further significant loss caused by COVID. 
Yeah, you know you got a structural problem before the pandemic happened, right? But uh, yeah. we'll skate yeah. over that one. The extent of the financial disruption of the Premiership clubs was such that they were required to obtain 18 million, 88 million quid through the government. Yeah. Premiership rugby clubs are reliant on owners continuing to fund operational costs. This is unsustainable. The fear of relegation its significant economic consequences has in the past led to short-term investment and further losses. Unsustainable again, yep. Relegation <laughs> from the Premiership costs a club at least five million quid, which has a material effect. And here's an interesting one, the very last point they make. I know it's a sales pitch, but it's an interesting one. Over the past 17 years, 14 teams that have been relegated from the Premiership have immediately been promoted the following season. The only years this didn't happen was 2009-10 with Bristol. Bristol. And Exeter came up. Mm. Um, sorry, 2011-12, the Leeds-London-Welsh debacle. Yeah. Um, and 2015-16, which was London-Welsh, another debacle again, and Bristol. Yeah. This trend has further strengthened in recent years with eight teams over the past nine seasons with an immediate re-promotion. So what they're effectively saying is the market and the clubs have... The sport's found the size of the professional league it can sustain. Mm-hmm. And I find it hard to argue with, really. London Welsh became insolvent with their nonsense. Yeah. Um, and the gap between the Premiership and the Championship is significant. Yeah, and it's, you know... The, the flip side of it is that, you know, this talk of, you know, making sort of people panic buying, you know, splurging to basically try and stay in the league is true. But at the same time, you look at you know, a club like fucking Worcester that just sort of exists and goes up and goes down and sort of, and you know Newcastle are sort of in that bracket as well. Like, are they going to get better without the threat of relegation? I don't know. And they Do- would probably say yes, they will. But it's like I just get better anyway. Off. Well, no, they all build like around like, the bottom you know, three and just come straight back up again. So yeah, and the, but then a club like Newcastle comes up last year and they actually put themselves about a bit and they mm. play quite well because they sort of experienced a different environment for a year. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I know it's quite I agree su- it's surprising it's, for listeners maybe, but I find it very hard to get that worked up about. I know other people in the I, game get, are absolutely uh, affronted at the, the sheer disgrace of the idea of it. Again, citing Exeter, who again... I can't get... I, I genuinely can't get annoyed about it because no. rugby can't afford itself anyway. Like... And it sure as shit can't afford to exist when it's rolling the dice. You know, every half of the teams in the league are rolling the dice every year that they don't have a bad run of form that ends up with them losing, you know, half of what they probably would, you know, make in a year. Mm. You know, and the vast majority of their gates, a lot of their, all of their TV money. And yeah, you know, I always think what happened with London Welsh was a fucking travesty. And should never be allowed to happen again. And if this can stop that from happening, it's probably worth it. And I mean, I'd be interested to see how they're going to lay this out because some of player, it's more games. Player welfare well, that's the, this game, is the thing. It? They're talking about player welfare. There's definitely going to be at least four extra games yeah. each season that they're going to have to fit in unless they do something pretty gnarly like split the premiership down the middle. And make a sort of regional divisions thing 
They're not going to do that. Which BT Sport I don't think they it. will do. They're close to not buying what's currently on offer. So maybe not. Although I think if you had a situation where you know you had the London clubs and the Midlands clubs in one division and the Southwest club, you know, the clubs in the Southwest and Worcester in a division, it would be quite competitive. And, you know, you look at the, the pro 14s basically turned around and gone, <laughs> you know, we're going to play less games because we think that mm. having fewer games with more, you know, star players on show is and higher quality of rugby is going to be a better saleable prospect than what we currently have. And, you know, for all of the talk of how fucking awesome the Premiership is, there's just as many fucking dross games in the Premiership season that are just walkovers from one side or another side that, you know, if they play less games but they're more competitive, man, the, the, you know, people won't give a fuck about relegation or format if they're good games. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I guess there's, there's something to be said on, but I, you know, I'm genuinely I can see both sides of it. Really, I find it hard to get if they kept relegation or they don't. I, I really can't get words of about either of it really. But I completely understand how at some point you find a level. You know, football can't really afford four professional divisions, and that's a fucking massive sport. At some point, that <laughs> yeah. reality is going to bite. At some point, rugby league can barely even afford itself. Yeah, rugby, rugby can barely afford a division. So yeah, rugby league, rugby Castleford can't even afford to put a team out this weekend for yeah. some reason, and nobody knows why. <laughs> but you know, rugby union can't afford a division either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every single team in the Premiership except for Exeter is losing money, and we all know that Exeter are probably also losing money. It's just that their fund, their funding arrangement is very different. Mm. So, yeah, it's, at least yeah. a decision has been made, I guess. I do agree that all this, they're just kicking the can down the road and they're going to say in 2024, well, uh, you look, there's nobody in the Championship who can possibly meet these new standards, which now yes. say you have to have a private <laughs> jet. So, you know, yeah. it's going to... You have to pay £100 million to come in. <laughs> you have to leave a gold pig Loose on deposit at Twickenham if you want to come un- into it. Unmarked gold pigs. <laughs> Uh, uh, yes, but I, I agree with you. I can't bring myself to really give a fuck, to be honest. No. Um, yeah, so we'll see. There you go. So I suppose it'll be who's going to come up next year, I guess. We all know it's going to be. Yeah. Speaking of Ealing. Be, well, I mean, it's, it's going to be Ealing, but it'd be really fucking funny if it was Cornish Pirates, wouldn't it? Yeah, or Rotherham. I mean, they were really close yeah, for years. Yeah, yeah, or Doncaster. Yeah. I drove past because Otley I'm when I was in York fun- the other week, and it made me think oh, really? of Otley, where you had obviously oh, had a, who, who hosted a... A game in the 1991 World Cup, lest we forget. Cup, yes, indeed. As as, discover, as covered in Patreon pods Patreon passing. Patreon pods, yeah. Indeed. But yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with it next year beyond that. Imagine the amount of corruption on the RFU board that got Otley a World Cup game. <laughs> Who the hell got a fucking backhander for that? I mean, it's one of them, it's, I mean, a, it's a cricket and rugby yeah. ground. All rolled in, so it's one of them classic, like the game. Mm. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the that's... last tour is still happening in other news. Just about, probably, maybe. As well, we've they've, well, they've flown there. They were They're definitely there. somebody. Somebody in the Facebook group put a flight radar tracker on the flights. It was definitely in the air when I looked. So <laughs> yeah, they're there. Um, they're training on a pitch that is genuinely appalling. <laughs> 
Have you seen it? It's no. there's barely a blade of fucking grass on it. I mean, it's classic South Africa in the summer. It is, it is yellow. It is dusty. It is hard, and and it's winter there. Now, yeah, of course. Oh yeah, it's winter. Yeah, of course. Fuck. I mean, their winters are different to ours, of course. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, I mean, fuck knows. At the moment, the tour is going ahead as planned. They're going to play the other Lions this weekend uh, in Johannesburg, but. I mean, there's already talk. Obviously, kind of, Gauteng is a fucking shit show for COVID right now. Um, and there's talk that the rest of the tour might just be moved to Cape Town, which is a lot less. Because they're supposed to play the last two tests in Johannesburg, right? Correct. Yeah, there's talk that instead of that, they might uh, just move the whole fucking shooting match to Cape Town where things are a lot less fucking scary Um, and there's even talk that they might just (laughs) chuck all the fucking tour games in the bin as well (laughs) because it's hard to actually see how they Three Covid tests, positive tests in the Springbok squad already Yep, and that was just turning up Yeah, and somebody a a lovely listener who lives down that way did uh, DM me and say I'm in Johannesburg there's no way these fucking games are happening which I'm assuming means there's a lot there's a big problem down there I've not read the uh, you know it's the international bad. news wires but uh... yeah I mean they're at, they're at their level 4 lockdown now which is basically you know a proper lockdown you can't do anything but go to the shops and go home so I mean while the Lions Tour can obviously carry on in their little biosecure bubble, mm. the optics of playing a fucking test series while coronavirus fucking runs through the local population that is broadly unvaccinated, I mean, it doesn't feel great, does it? <laughs> From a purely kind of. It doesn't feel great, but having said that, everyone's sat in the fucking house. They don't need something to watch, aren't they? I mean, they're going to need something. Yeah, I mean, it's but it is worth remembering that, like, yeah, you know, if the Lions board hadn't been so swayed by all the moaning prick journalists and ex-players who said it was South Africa or bust, we could currently be looking forward to a UK-based series that would be played in front of fans. And maybe with some, maybe with the Lions and the Box playing some club teams in the UK for a little bit of weird history that they can say that they had took part of in front of the fans as well to warm them up. And instead, we've got this total fucking shit show where they were so determined that it was going to be South Africa and they sort of talked themselves out of every other option that they've put themselves... You know, people were saying months and months ago, this is quite a bad idea. <laughs> There's no plan to vaccinate people yeah. in South Africa at the moment. And and lo and behold, things have gone as badly as, as well, not perhaps not quite as badly as some people anticipated because it's still going ahead. But it does feel is the, like... Um, is, is the ice-ship re- option still open that you proposed? I, I think we'd struggle to... I mean, it's summer now, you know? It's July. <laughs> It's July, the, the ice ship's going to melt. You know, maybe if we could have got it built beforehand, we could have put some sawdust in there and it would have been all right. But yes, at this stage, we're, we're very much, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I really want it to happen. But at the same time, I feel quite gross that it's happening. I think if they're on lockdown and it's secure, I think it's going to happen. 
Because all you're doing is moving the squads around, aren't you? And the media, I guess. But you can always yeah. The problem is well. that with with the touring sides, you know, I don't see how. Oh, that's true. You know, yeah. How you are going to keep? You know, how many teams are they playing? Like four or five, five squads worth of forty odd players who aren't in biosecure bubbles. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's. Well, it might just end up cancelling itself, mightn't it? Because it could keep it all in plan. And everyone just gets COVID the week before, and that's the end of that. So <laughs> yeah, it's inside. I mean, basically, what I'm saying is that uh, I think the Lions can count themselves very lucky that they got a hit out this weekend. Because yeah, or they could yeah. make every single touring game because it's the only ones who aren't infected. Every single one of them will be some kind of provincial barbarians outing. Yeah, which you know will be interesting. Either way, it seems like. It seems very unlikely. What I want to know is, does this mean that Geo Aplon will play against the Lions at some point on this tour? Because <laughs> that's that's what I'd really what I'd like to see. I mean, a sort of all star all star game of old people, like a yeah, Sky Sports the, classic six, six aside thing, but in rugby. Yeah. What What is the most legends team they can put together? <laughs> Brian Havana's part of the team. That's yeah. You know, Victor Matfield and. I mean, sure, shot. Joe Van Niekerk's in, in fucking great shape oh, in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. Get him on a plane. Straight in. He's I in mean... great. He's talking shit. He's clean as fuck. He's, COVID can't even touch him. Seen the yeah. amount of press ups he does. Exactly. He wills it out of his body. He lives a strange hippie life in the jungles of Costa Rica, but does loads of high impact, high intensity impact training, like about fifteen times a day. It's a very. <laughs> it's not what I'd expect from a free love guy. Well, mind you, he's got to keep yeah. himself in good shape well, if that's Joe what he's is, into, I guess. We all know that Joe is, is a, a a riddle wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a he's a walking conundrum for all of us. Well, a running and burpeeing conundrum yes, most of the time, indeed. to be honest. But yeah. Um, but yes, so we uh, it seems very likely that the, the test series will just be played in Newlands. And to be honest with you, from a Lions point of view not having to play the second and third test on the high belt is a win, I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd say. No fucking altitude, no problem. Nice nice shots as well. Newlands is a beautiful ground and a beautiful, beautiful setting. Ground. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. You can imagine you were there. Do some you know, wide-angle wide lenses and all that. Indeed. So, yeah, we will see. But they're definitely there. Um, I, well, how long have we got? It's Tuesday as we record this. They're supposed to be playing... Yeah. The, it's the Lions Saturday. squared test on Saturday. Yeah, which test seems game. like that will go ahead regardless because they're there now. Then it's supposed to be the Sharks on Wednesday. Yeah, that's We'll leave when, that for now because we're going to do yeah. it. If there is a preview yeah. to do, we will do one later this week. Well, we'll definitely be talking about that. Um, speaking of Lions, we've got a new captain, of course. How um, many? Well, you know, let's just get the obvious thing out of the way. No fucker was calling that one, were they? Fuck no. Uh, I mean, you get it when you think about it. It's like, yeah, he's got three tours under his belt now. He's the most senior, experienced senior squad guy in each squad. Yeah, he's in. the most experienced player there, except for maybe Talupe. And I think we can probably say that Talupe is many things, but not a natural captain. I don't think and a captain works if you're mute. <laughs> We've said this before. <laughs> Indeed, have, it really does. He'd have to have a blackboard dangling around his neck and write his instructions in chalk. And that yeah. was a, that's not going to work. Yeah, so when you view it through that prism, it makes sense. Uh, it's not a choice that makes much sense when you consider he's never actually started a match as captain for either Munster or Ireland. But hey, it's not like skillfully managing a ref 
is an important part of the game these days uh, and it definitely hasn't had a material impact on a Lions test series recently or anything, has it? Martin Johnson hadn't had Captain England, had he, when he got it? But he had Captain no. Astro, hadn't he? From memory. Yeah. Um, but on the plus side, you know, he'll have Dan Bigger, he'll have Ken Owens, he'll have Atoja and Henderson. There's a lot of experience. I mean, Sam Warburton said on that press conference what I did with him a few months ago that Captain and Lions was easier on the pitch because there's so many captain in Wales because there's so many well there's so many players setting standards at right. training and on the pitch that you don't have to be the person that's trying to sort of set the, so, the level for everyone all this is because AWJ got himself injured on Saturday and get himself injured he was in, he's injured from Saturday imagine yeah. imagine being on the wind shows there one there's a disappointment about not playing and all mm-hmm. that not really playing and all that stuff you know was that it's 15 minutes of one daft game at the beginning. but yeah, less, eight. He's had, think about this for a minute, right? He's had to do all of that fucking press and media shit. He's had it's to do that fucking bits. floating in a virtual holodeck on Sky for the yeah. squad. All that stuff he fucking despises and you can see in his eyes a disdain he has for it all. But of course you can get through all that if you're him because... You're then going to get injured within 12 minutes of your first game against Japan in, in, in Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, you've got to feel he must be. Ta- I mean, I, imagine, I hope he's quite philosophical at this stage of his career. I doubt it. Though, so, wouldn't you? You know, he's captained a lion, you know, alliance team to a winning series. It, you know, in reality, you know, he was captain of the third test in 2013. So it's not like he hasn't done it. But I do. Yeah, I, I think he's probably. I mean, penny to the thoughts for everyone at, you know, all of the Lions' very, very many commercial partners when he got crocked as well. Because, you know, Alan Wynn is a lot of things, but he is a very famous sort of figure that is famous outside of rugby. Most people know who Alan Wynn Jones is. My wife knows who Alan Wynn Jones is. See, I'm not sure that people, other than people who got close proximity to us, would know. I think if in rugby Wales, everyone maybe. knows who Alan Wynne Jones yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I guess. Do you not know who Conor Murray is but, then? And that's the thing. I think they they were quite relieved when nice. it was because imagine if it had been Ken Owens. <laughs> like I love Ken, but I can imagine the Lions PR department just weeping at the prospect of having to shift all of this huge media edifice that they've probably created. Between Vodafone and DHL and the famous <laughs> Grouse in Canterbury and British Airways and all of this stuff and just make the focal, instead of making the focal point, this sort of big, huge, commanding fucking leader of men, Alan Wynne Jones, six foot six and 19 stone of fucking, you know, yeah. chiseled Welsh brilliance. And then going, and we're going to have a man who looks like an adorable freckly potato. <laughs> He looks like he it's, should be carrying a hod full of bricks. Indeed. <laughs> and, who, and who, let's be let's be real here, extremely talks like he's from Lethley. Yes. Well, he talks like he's from Carmarthen, really. In, in yeah, a, imagine that Photoshop in, session. Have you got the new images? Yeah, it's here. Yeah. Is it, Instead. Is this know, right? Is we, this the right guy you sent me? You sure? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Conor Murray might not be a crossover, you know, potential person. In terms of but rugby, he is a, a photogenic a handsome, and well-known man. At least he's a handsome, man, yes. yeah, who's been around enough that most people know who he is. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose I mean, spare penny for Ali Price's thoughts. 
I mean, yeah, <laughs> we'll, oh, oh, we okay. can answer that, but <laughs> let's stop. Let's not beat around the bush here. He's got some fucking work to do now. Because there'll be a lot like, of chitter chat, won't there, about uh, deserving he, places and things. I mean, he got caught out in defence twice on the weekend. His kicking was very sloppy. He got turned over a couple of he times. He got stepped by Matsushima. I think I can he forgive him that. Yeah. But like two or three, two of the three parts of his game that you'd want to be good were lacking. Like his passing was very good, but like, I mean, yeah. It, I'm not sure you not... can judge anything by Saturday. We'll come on to this, but I'm not sure you can judge no, anything. No, but by like game, he, but... he needs to fucking get up to speed pronto because he's, oh. now, he's now the first name on the fucking team sheet. And yeah, Ali Price and Gareth Davis are not going to fucking sit there and let him rest on his laurels, I don't think. Gareth Davis probably doesn't understand what's going on. No. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously the other big one is um, that Navidi's in. Yeah, Big Josh and uh, even bigger Adam. Literally, yeah. In. Adam Beard is in, yeah. Yeah. Which has led to a totally re- reasonable and normal response to most of people who... Do they... Absolutely. Well, do, do, do people on Twitter watch rugby... I don't think they do. Don't you think know, so. they increasingly, I'm beginning to worry that they don't. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we'll talk about them probably a little bit later. But I think Big Josh was very particularly was hard done by to not get in originally, and I think he's got potentially coming in late and being a fucking difference maker. There is the a lot, all over him. a lot of flexibility in the back of that pack, isn't there? Yeah. Once you, you get beyond the number basic... three, anybody yeah. can play anywhere. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It's like a mini game of got... sevens back there, basically. <laughs> yeah, but then you look at the you know this this team that the Springboks have named for their game against Georgia the weekend. Uh, yes. They're starting Quagga Smith at number eight. He's my height. Is just, which is a fucking trap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Trap. There yeah. is no fucking way on earth that fucking fourteen stone, five foot eleven, Quagga Smith is, he any, is any, anywhere size. near. Yeah. yeah, he's nowhere near that test team, and certainly not at number eight. That is blatantly just Razzie going. I wonder if I, if I make out that we're sort of playing all these. You know, flexible hybrid players like what are fashionable in England, then Warren won't pick his seven locks in the back row. <laughs> and we can then start Jasper Visa at number eight or whoever, whatever fucking giant human. They're going to fucking stick Peter Steph de Toy at fucking eight, aren't they? And then stick an even large, you know, stick fucking Mostart at six or something. Just see what the biggest possible pack they can possibly have is. And let's not be under any illusions that that's going to be the case. When did edge forward become a thing? Because I found it out <laughs> recently and it's upset me. You'd be surprised to know. Uh, yeah, I don't love it. In the same way that sort of... So Tom Croft con- conver- was an edge forward because he lurked about on the wing quite a bit, basically. Yeah. But it's an entire well, concept now rather than just something that somebody does. Well, in the same way that like traditionally there was, you know a lock that did the push-in and a lock that did the tackling yeah. and the carrying. And now that's developed into, you know, the notion of loose head and tight head locks, mm. which is a thing. And we'll come on to that later, I think. But, like, 
Yeah. I don't know. I just... All it's forwards just, it's are very... edge forwards. All forwards are edge forwards if you want them to be. Isn't an edge forward kind of a, a rugby league thing as well? So it's something else we've nicked off rugby league. If it was, it wasn't when I was playing. I mean, what... Well, rugby league tend to, particularly in defence, rugby league tended to have units of defence that had usually a second row forward in one of the outside blocks. You had a fullback mm. and a bobby, and then the rest were all in the middle. There was like the props and your hooker in the middle, and then you had linking together, you had your scrum half on one side of that block, and your outside half, you like playing. And then you had these the, the, a winger, second row, loose forward, centre as your kind of outside defending block. But in rugby league, it's all so fluid anyway. People who play second row play centre quite regularly because they're all basically 16 stone and fast. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, in rugby league, the the, uh, the old second rower position yes. is being uh, phased out for this notion of the edge forward, which is sort of somewhere between a second rower and it's not a middle forward. They're like 80-minute players, but they get much more involved in things. Them. It's it's something that's always existed, but now has a name. Now they've got a name for it. That was, that was Chris Joint. <laughs> Chris Joint, who played for yeah. St. Ellen's, did that. Played eighty minutes for <laughs> second row, like twenty fifteen years ago. So yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, and the Australians were masters at players like that as well. Yeah. So and it's, now yeah. rugby but in the days of analysis, but in the days of yeah. analysis, Evan has to have a name. I remember I did sociology at a university, and everything in sociology is somebody inventing a name for something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you know, so basically, uh, the edge forward is basically what you call now back row forwards that spend a lot of time out wide, which is all back row forwards these days, really. Yeah. Yes. But again, I suppose the weird thing, I suppose what's interesting about it is I imagine people are being coached to do that now as part of a pattern. Because what you would yes. have is just some players in teams that would naturally drift out there, a la Tom Croft. And yeah. you'd work with that because he was pacey and... He, that's where he was kind of useful to be honest to the point he's like what the fuck mm. are you doing there Tom we need you but um, <laughs> but I suppose now it's become everything is micromanaged now isn't it so anyway I'm sounding like an old get now but I just didn't understand this but thank you no um, in other news mm. um, Wales have named their team to play Canada on the, the weekend and they're not uh, fucking about are they uh, no Ben Carter and Tom Rogers who I'm sorry to tell you does not exist um Makes uh, their debut in the starting 15. Tane Bash and Ben Thomas and Gareth Thomas all due to debut off the bench. Uh, 100 international caps for Lee Halfpenny this weekend. John Davis is permanently a 12 now, it seems, because he's stuck Willis Halaholo at uh, 13 with Davis at 12, which seems to indicate that John Davis at 12 is forever, which I get it because yeah. we haven't got a lot of 12s. Um, and the permanent move of Aaron Wainwright to eight is sticking because he's picked there ahead of fit again Ross Moriarty who starts at six, which, yeah, is interesting. I'm very unconvinced by Aaron Wainwright playing eight at international level, but hey-ho, he's sticking with it. It is with Canada. It. It's well worth a look, isn't it? It is Canada, but yeah, apparently. Where's this being played, set. Cardiff? It's in Cardiff, yeah. In front of people as well. It's what? Oh, it's one of people, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And again, we're getting to a point now where quite a lot of professional international rugby players will never have played international rugby in front of a crowd. Isn't like that Paolo Garbisi? 
Yeah, Paolo Gavisi's never like never played professional rugby probably in front of a crowd. Or at least never played international rugby, rugby yeah. in front of a crowd. He's maybe played a handful of professional games in front of crowds. But he didn't really break into the Treviso team until sort of midway through no, the four, COVID season. He had four club appearances when he was starting for Italy. Yeah. Didn't he? Something ridiculous like that. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. So he barely he hadn't even broke. So, yeah, he broke into the Benetton team post-COVID. So he's never played professional rugby in front of a crowd probably until... Was he allowed to play professional rugby in front? Was he allowed to they, they play the final in front of a crowd? There's only a couple hundred people there, I think. Don't remember. But yeah. Yeah, anyway. Strange. Yeah. yeah. Strange indeed. A um, lot of time, speaking of young people playing rugby, a lot of time for that, that young lad on Twitter who's signed for Saracens, their under-18s scrum half. You see that? No, I didn't see this. Who said he was really chuffed about Exeter um, losing because they're all... Because of the racist branding, absolutely fucking. And somebody that. said, Who's "Oh, so you, but you just signed for a cheat." I can't remember his name. So you just signed for cheat, so didn't you? He said, "I can't help what club sign me. It's better than being a racist." <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? Um, is his name Rudin Dahar? No, Dahas. I don't know. Can't remember. He's now. an American, uh, American South African. He was signed for them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Is that? He's like he's only eighteen, seventeen, eighteen. I think. What a time for it, anyway. Anyway, whoever he is, um, yeah, I'm. Oh, is it Tom Whiteley? I know he's gone to Bristol. Who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll find out. We'll anyway, try and find I'm out. Yeah, I'm absolutely here for that energy. Um. Yeah. Uh, other news. Oh, the Champions Cup format for next season has been revealed. Um, and you'd be delighted to know that they're sticking with the one that made absolutely oh, no you'll sense. Oh, like you'll like this, any... Josh. Sorry, you'll like this. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He's hit called me, Josh. Oh, of course. Yeah. Is it you? All the best ones are. <laughs> it's at Josh GI7. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm liking his energy around this stuff. However, his Twitter yeah. bio has his location as your mum's bed. I mean, Which that's is not, not that's not strong, is it? But... What's his full name? Uh, I don't know. He, he just, he's no... Oh, God, I've just lost where it is now. Give me one I second. mean, I just typed in Josh GI7. And it it's Josh with a zero. Uh, Josh GI7. I mean, he could be me. He's Josh G. Yeah, could be you, couldn't he? <laughs> Are you good enough to play Scrum R for Saracens? I mean, why not? So basically, Exeter Chiefs say thank you for the incredible support. He responds with change your branding. To which point somebody responds with stop, <laughs> yes, your, pa- stop your parent club being massive cheats. He said, I didn't pick who scouted me, did I, lol? To which the bloke <laughs> said, could have said no. To which he said, ah, yes, I'll turn down a pro contract with one of the best teams in England and Europe. To which the person replies with cheats. To which somebody else replies with, I'd rather be a cheat than a dirty racist. To which point Josh replies, in it, with four T's on the end. Yes, yes, Josh. Good lad. He's also in several. <laughs> he, in further reasons that I like him, he's also replied to that extra thing. He's copied um, Robbie's rather gloating tweet at full time, <laughs> into, and <laughs> I 
and posted that directly to I love Exeter the idea that well. an entire army of under 18 year old rugby players have learned all their rugby from watching Robbie's from, videos. From Robbie, yeah. <laughs> it must his, make sense. And his position on social justice that are now coming through. <laughs> into, into, it genuinely um, must make certain people fucking fuming. Like. So you've got this guy, you've got the fellow Ospreys that, Ospreys that you love, who, who's the new brat rower who is fairly politically active. Yes. Yeah. Basically, we'll keep an eye on these people for you. Uh, I think it's Josh Hallett, who's an Academy, uh, Scar- um, Saracens Academy player. Mm-hmm. Scrum half. England under, nine, England under 18, under 16. Doesn't say what position he is, weirdly. Oh, so he's a centre. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but he's the only Josh that I can see in the Saracens Academy, unless he's in the Mavericks. In the, in the, anyway, we don't know. We're spending too much time on this. It was it was nice. It was it was funny to see. No, that's the netball team. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> well, how many of them got the property Saracens deals? The, the people who play netball for Saracens because because he just loves business so much. He just loves business so much. He just wants to invest in people. Just wants to keep all those netball women here. That's all it is. Yeah, absolutely, he does. Uh, uh, anyway, so what were we yes. talking about before I interrupted uh, you again? Champions Cup. Um, right, what's the news there? I've missed this one. Yes, so they've revealed the format for next season. Oh, they've kept uh, the same Del- thing, haven't they? Yeah, it's the same thing that made absolutely no sense last season and nobody had any clue what's going on. So let me, I'll read it out to you what the format is. Right. And clubs will be divided into two pools of 12, Pool A and Pool B, by means of a draw, and the tournament will be played over nine weekends with four rounds of matches in the pool stage starting in December. So nine weekends, four rounds. Okay. Um, the eight highest-ranked clubs from each pool will qualify for the knockout stage, which will consist of a two-legged round of 16 tie, quarterfinals, semifinals, and then the final in Marseille on 28th of May 2022, which is my birthday, by the way, so if anybody wants to treat me, um, <laughs> I'd love a trip to Marseille. Uh, the draw for the four pools will be carried out in the same line as the last season, with the clubs separated into four tiers, and clubs from the same league in the same tier will not be drawn into the same pool. The number one and number two ranked clubs from each league will be in tier one, number three and four in tier two, number five and six will be in tier three, and seven and eight will be in tier four. Tier 1 and Tier 4 clubs, which have been drawn in the same pool but which are not in the same league, will play one another home and away during the pool stage, as will the Tier 2 and 3 clubs, which have been drawn in the same pool which, but which are not mm. in the same league. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, And that's the only info. That, basically, it's in a system that is absolutely rigged to ensure that the big guns go through. I'm just working out. Hang on a minute. So, nine weekends, carry the seven, multiply <laughs> by four, pick up the fourth one. Add six, take carry four. 12T. 12T, yeah. Right. Number one. Go on with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it basically seems like it's... You only play... Like, if you're a an Exeter or a, like a Harlequins, I guess, or a Leinster or a Munster, you are guaranteed to play a shit team from your... from another league twice. And then I say shit team. You I, know, I mean, still... I kind of like this thing of just saying, I'm going to pay no attention to it whatsoever until somebody tells me he's playing in the quarterfinals. Well, no, you get the last 16. The well, that'll do. Two legged last until 16. Until I get to an understanding. Yeah. All right. So let's just do that. Let's just jump. I can do something. I can just basically go into a fugue state about the Heineken Cup until the last yeah, 16 yeah. is announced. Until and the then they hammer that in like a really small space, don't they? 
to get all that out yeah, of the way. Yeah, semis so, and the quarterfinals are on consecutive weekends yeah, again, like, like they were that. this season, which is good, as is the two-legged last 16 match. Um, again, the last 16 match is presumably two-legged to ensure that in the extremely unlikely event that a lower-ranked team to somehow sneak into the knockout stages, they would have almost no chance of beating one of the big boy teams because they'd have to beat them over two legs, home and away. It's the, <laughs> I mean, it's very cynical, but only, it is what it is. This Euro 2020 competition that's on now, some, somebody, somebody mm-hmm. said the other day that we've got to the end of the... We're getting to the end of this group stage now, which means... No, the end of the group stage meant we played 36 games to eliminate eight teams because all the third-place <laughs> stuff. And it, it, there's a bit of a fear about that, isn't there? We will play 107 games, yeah, and we'll have 16 left at the end of it to ensure and, that and only 23 starters or something. Yes, Exeter, Harlequins, <laughs> La Rochelle, and Munster all go through to the group stage, plus some whipping boys for them to beat in the round of 16. Ugh. Sweden, Ukraine is one-one. Speaking of the Euro 20, so you know, I know you're on tenterhooks. Not who England will play next. I know. Can't wait. Because it'll be one of them two in Rome. Right, so... It's a very silly tournament. Yes, any more so news? your news. No, I think that's your okay. news. Fucking hell. Right, so that's the end of the news. So it. we are now going to go into the weekend, at which point we say goodbye to our non-patrons. Goodbye. Au revoir. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. So we'll probably leave it at that, will we? We will be back with a Lions patron um, episode in probably Thursday, assuming there's a team to announce and stuff like that. So we'll let you know. So that is the end of that, and we'll now move on to Shit Good. Yeah. We welcome back our non-patron people. Uh, if you want to know about right. the Lions, what we think of the Lions and the Premiership final, then you can subscribe at patreon.com slash blood and mud and get the whole episode. Right, so we do shit good. Yeah. Uh I start with. Shit, as we always start with. It's a, it's a rhetorical question. I don't know, I'm not I don't pay attention. I just sort of vibe it. So what um, have you shit got? for me is the Lions not awarding caps for Saturday. Oh I know. We talked about like, this last week, didn't we? Ridiculous. If you're playing, if you're playing a fucking scratch team or like a barbarians team, yeah. fair enough. But like on Saturday, the Lions played a team that was ranked above one of the nations who were involved in the Lions before they didn't have a game in eighteen months. You know, they put out a team that had ten players from the Rugby World Cup quarter final in 2019. They are a proper test team, and so they decide to not because they were still I mean an iron about it when we spoke about it last week. But they decided, you know, in the end that they were not going to... The Blazers just, you know, some fucking fasty old Blazer cunts basically looking down their noses at one of the most important developing nations of the earth and going, you're not worthy of a lion's cap. It's like, fuck you. It's very lion's bizarre. Ca- 
They're well, the Lions got embarrassed into awarding them in 2005 against Argentina retrospectively, and they should have seen this come in and just done it. And also, to be honest with you, Alan Wynn and Tips deserve to be recognised as fucking Test Lions with Tua, if I'm brutally honest. Like, and if you play Test teams, it's a Test. Yeah, just because it's not part of the series. It's a, like back in the day when they went to Australia and New Zealand and went home via fucking Argentina, they all counted. Bizarre. You know, it was. Yeah, it's mental. And they should just, you know, especially given everything else that's happening on this tour and the limited opportunities that there might be for players to actually fucking play games for the Lions, they should just make this that game so that everybody involved in that team gets a fucking test cap as far as I'm concerned. Ginge52 gets in touch. He says, shit, is the bibs worn by the Lions' water? He says wager dispensers. I don't think that's what he means. I don't think there's somebody wandering around with a bib giving money to... Uh, <laughs> it's a, the uh, water... Di- no, giving bets out. Sorry, wagers, bets yeah, yeah. out. Anyway, <laughs> the in-house bookie wears a terrible bib. No, so the bibs worn by the Lions' water dispensers. Horrendous Sunwolves-esque lion on the back. I didn't see that, but I'll keep an eye out for it next time. Tom George gets in touch. He says, shit... Is most opinions on Navidian beard? Absolutely, uh, yes. covered that. But good is Navidian beard, yes. Johnny gets in Great. touch. He says, "Shit, oh Johnny." He says, "Shit," was agreeing to watch only one game on Saturday, so spending the duration of the Premiership final in TK Max while slightly tipsy from the Lions match pints. So he had one choice, and he went for the Lions. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why you'd want to watch the lot. You'd think I want to watch the Lions. But then at the same time, yeah, you, you fucked up there. Rob Eaton gets in touch. He says, shit, is Murrayfield's handling of the game on Saturday? Poorly organised and felt like they were not ready for the crowd they had. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I heard we all heard them saying that they were shutting the bars after 20 minutes, which elicited the biggest boo of the day. Um, and everyone was sat honestly, socially distanced and the queue for the bar was like a, a scrum of 120 people or something. Yeah, but also there's... Only 13,000 people in there. They're surely used to having like 60,000 people there and they can cope with it. So where did that? Yeah, they fucked it up. I had too little staff thinking that they could deal with it, I'm guessing. Clearly. James Addison gets in touch. He says, shit is Exeter keeping the ball in play when they needed to sub an injured player. That was the game right there. That's true. I mean, when Alex Cuthbert was hobbling around. And Tom yeah. Flaherty decided to run the ball or kick it but and keep it in play. <laughs> yeah. And then the 57 hands pass happened and the Esther Hazen try. Yes, that was yeah. not a wise decision. No. Best coach team funny. in Britain, my arse. Yeah, yeah so um, he, he finishes the with not that Exeter fans will mind. You'll like us a lot better when we're actually rebranded as the Chieftains and wear Asterix helmets. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm well into Asterix helmets. Let's do that. You got any more shit before we move on to good? Uh, the Lions' penalty count in the last 20 minutes, I know they were under the pump, but fucking hell, seven penalties at a rate of one every less than three minutes is no good. I think it comes back to what we said about the Premiership final. Teams, when they're overloaded yeah. in the 22, just start going offside, don't they, and doing yeah, damn shit. Just... But like six pens in the first 60 minutes and seven in the last 20. Do you think they are, England? I know. A lot of them are England, yeah, to be true. fair. So let's move on to good, shall we? Yes. You got any good? Uh, good for me uh, that England's A fixture against Scotland was cancelled because it was a fucking sham and a nonsense of a fixture. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm old enough to remember the start of June in 2021 where Eddie Jones 
said, I've only got 12 weeks a year to coach with England, so I've got to use my time between to practice coaching and find better ways to coach. Um, so he decided to delegate the A fixture to his right-hand psychopath, John Mitchell. Uh, it just feels a little bit strange, odd, hypocritical, take your pick. Anyway, uh, he couldn't be asked. And then you looked at that team and I realised, oh, this is what this is why you can't be asked. What this game is actually about <laughs> is that a third of that starting 15 were players who were eligible for other countries who would have been tied to the uh, You get tied to the A team. Uh, if you're playing against someone else's capture side and because Scotland A is Scotland's capture right. side, um, unlike the sort of Barbarians matches where various Callum Sheedy's and Johnny Williams's and various others have played for England over the last couple of years. Yeah, Lewis Ludlow, uh, Joe Hayes and Harry Randall, who are all eligible for Wales, um, would have been tied. Uh, Dan Kelly, who's also eligible for Ireland, would have been Dan. Um, uh, Jacob Mamaga, obviously eligible for the All Blacks and Samoa, Meanwhile, would have also not been even, captured. they've not even picked the phone up to Lewis Liner, according to Michael. Yes. However, uh, yeah, Michael did reveal that Lewis is Italy eligible. And has been called up by, has been spoken to by Italy. And Australia. Which just... Australia Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Australia, fair enough, whatever, obviously, probably wants to play for them more than anyone. But can you imagine put Lewis Liner into that fucking Italy back row and stick a dog woo in there as well? Into back row, back line, rather. I was with you. Fucking Varney, Garbisi, Brax, a dog woo. Zan, uh, I like a bit of him as well. Iwani, uh, Lewis Liner... And everybody's favourite Matteo Minotti at fullback. What a fucking backline that would be! To provide some laughs when they lose by forty points, at least. Um, <laughs> Rugby World Cup twenty twenty three winners, mate. Joe yeah, Bre- good. I'm glad to be rid of it. It's on the good. Joe Brachy gets in touch. He says, "Good. If you, I know you're recording tonight, so a late good for me was Harlequins win on Saturday. Yes, we aren't perfect as a club, but the resilience shown by the club after the sacking of Gustav to go top four and somehow win the league is mind blowing as a fan." It's mind-blowing for everyone, Joe, quite honestly. Mind-blowing for everyone. Also, as much as we like to take the piss out of Quinns with the Maserati shit, um, Quinns are one of the best clubs in the Premiership in terms of the way that they sort of engage and promote LGBT stuff. So, and they, and and they, they obviously have huge supporters good, of the women's game. And they have a very good outreach into South London comps. They do. To try and find <clears throat> sorry, other... Uh, Talent from not the usual places, shall we say. Yes, the next Carl Sinclair, shall we say. Mike Brown, um, of course. And Mike Brown, indeed. Um, yeah, and obviously their women's team, also champions of England this year. Yeah, yeah. what a year. What Maseratis a for everyone. <laughs> um, David Williams gets in touch. He says, good is Colby's 50-metre drop goal. Oh, yes. Yes, please. Dave Price gets in touch. He says, good was going to an actual real-life game of rugby. He said, but shit was with the Welsh players getting injured in warm-up games. Yeah, it is a trend, isn't it, Dave? Mm. Rich gets in touch. He says, good, is that Exeter lost? He said, I literally don't care that it's Quinns that won, just it's more important that Exeter lost. (laughs) This is the kind of small-minded pettiness that we welcome. Absolutely. Pete Elder gets in touch. He said, shit, good was... Good was myself attending my first sporting event in over 15 months at Murrayfield. How I've missed it, yeah. But shit was the Lions lend- the ending the Lions career of AWJ, a genuine legend of the game and deserved so much better than that. Yeah, at least it was just one of them things. You can get injured in any game, mm. can't you? It could have happened next Saturday. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't... Indeed. 
Miles Burley gets in touch. He says, good is Eddie trolling Exeter by picking more players from Worcester in the England squad than from Exeter. <laughs> I mean, a fair chunk of them It's that thing with Eddie. He does some things fair. you can genuinely laugh at, can't you, whilst hating him at the same thing. <laughs> Morgan says, is good is good is a happy Adam Jones. He was delighted at full time, wasn't he? I mean, I'll never not enjoy that. I'm loving the fact that he is... He is going bald, but somehow refusing for it to happen. Because that <laughs> egg in the nest is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a slow developer, and yet it is definitely there. Yeah, it's almost sort of, yeah. There's a kind of a willful like refusal to accept that it's, yes, it's not that it's happening. You know. Last couple. Then, respect that. Mark Fisher yes. gets in touch. He said, "Is Alessandro Garbisi?" Paolo's scrum half younger brother signing for Benetton and giving us the mouthwatering prospect of a Garbisi Garbisi 910 axis at some point. Garbisi squared. That's what I want to see. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Ian Ferrugia gets in touch finally. He says, Good was Dodmaster and everyone who participated. That's our charity thing from last Friday. So much money raised and so many laughs. A special shout out to Josh, who was on absolute top cynical form, says Ian here. I mean, I play to my strengths. You do, you do. I'm going to start having a section of the pod where you just take the piss out of everything I say. <laughs> I think that's, it's a value-add segment. Yeah, yeah, why not? And that, at nearly two hours, is me and thee done, I think. I think so, yeah. Unless you've that's, got anything burning I, you'd like to share? I mean, I can always go on, but that's, <laughs> that's not. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you all for you your Patreon support and your contributions and everything else. We'll speak to you soon with another Lions episode, patrons. Oh, yeah. Speak to you in a bit. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.